Welcome to the American Happiness Project. I'm Michelle Wax, and I travel throughout the USA, interviewing Americans from all walks of life on how they reach happiness and fulfillment in their everyday lives, and most importantly, how you can too. Get ready, get excited, we're about to begin. This next episode is perfect for anyone who's ever felt like you just didn't belong. I know I've felt like this many times. Michael Z. Johnson went from being a high school dropout and bully to a successful entrepreneur and businessman by society's standards, but he felt like a complete fraud. In this episode, we chat about how Michael went from feeling like a fraud to truly fulfilled each and every day. Michael is now a sought-after speaker at schools and companies across the country with one core message, you are not alone. Michael is from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I absolutely love how open and real he is in this episode. I'm super excited for you to learn from Michael today. Let's get started. And thank you, Michael, so much for being on today. I appreciate you taking the time. No, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. So we were talking a little bit before about how at one point in your life, you purchased a fake Rolex to impress other people. Do you mind getting into that story and kind of how that came to be. Yeah, so it, it's, it's something I'm not proud of, but I share it a lot because I, I'm beyond that part in my life now. But, you know, I was, I was raised extremely poor and I always, once I got out on my own and started making a living, I wanted to prove to people that I made it with stuff. You see these two motorcycles, this means I made it. And this big house means I made it. And this truck and this boat, this means I made it. And then at 40, I went so far as to buy a fake Rolex to try to impress people that didn't know me or didn't care about me. Um, And I can remember being in a swimming pool in my neighborhood one day, and this this guy's in there, and he's like, is that a Rolex Milgaz? And I'm like, yeah. He said, that's my favorite. I'm like, mine too. And I I was just a fraud. I I felt like a fraud. I was a fraud. It was ridiculous. And um, since outgrown that, unfortunately, it took me till you know, 40 to to outgrow it. But it it was pretty ridiculous. What was kind of, was there a specific moment that you realized, you know, I want to, I want to change this about my life or was it a gradual, um, kind of, you know, progression towards where you're at today? I I think it kind of all fell into place when I started reflecting on life and, you know, by most standards, I'm successful. I was a high school dropout at one point, ended up owning a business, started my first business at 14. And I always thought it was me. I did this and I did that and I did this. And what I realized over the last few years is I didn't do any of it. It was possible because of the people I surrounded myself with and people that really cared about me. I speak lately and I tell people that if you ref- if you surround yourself with people that refuse to let you fail, you can accomplish things that were seemingly impossible at one point in time. And that's what it was. It just came from reflection and I decided to start seeking happiness through experiences with my little girl and my wife, as opposed to stuff. Stuff never makes you happy. Stuff may fill some void for a while, but it doesn't make you happy. But it just took reflection as I started getting older. Gotcha. And were there any questions you were asking yourself or kind of focusing on when you're going through that reflection period? It was just, I was just trying to put the pieces together. I've been speaking to students and stuff like that. I even look back at some of my old speeches and it was, I, 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 I did this and I did that. And I started reflecting and trying to bring a better message, a more positive message and an honest message. And that's what it became was it wasn't me. 
It was just the people I surrounded myself prop me up to achieve or, or whatever it is. And it's true with anything, whether it be sports or business or anything like that. So it, it was just came from the reflection and, and no, no specific moment, but just a lot of soul searching. I love it. I love it. And now as you're, you know, talking with students all across or from all over the place, what is that message you're you're showcasing or telling them? So the biggest message is you're not alone to where I was extremely ashamed of being poor. And I thought I was the only kid in the lunch line with free lunch. I thought I was the only kid that had a horrible stepmother. I thought I was the only kid that had a, a drug addicted mother and, and an alcoholic father. I thought I was that I, w- I was the only one dealing with that stuff. And it's not true. So I share with these students that you're not alone and that you can achieve anything that you want to if you surround yourself with the right people. And like I said earlier, people that refuse to allow you to fail. And so that's that's the message. And that's what I'm trying to prove to these guys. That's awesome. How's the response been? It, it's fantastic. And, you know, I've been speaking a lot at elementary schools. I wrote a children's book about my experiences as a bully. So I've been doing a lot of elementary schools, picking up requests for middle and high schools where we add to it um, to where I ask the children to share something that's weighing heavy on their hearts. Um, it could be anything, uh, something they're not proud of, something they're ashamed of, something they just want to get off their chest, something they need help with but don't know how. And I give I gave them three examples for me. One of them being my uh, my addict mother and alcoholic father. The fact that I'm 44 years old, I don't spell reader write very well, and that I've battled suicidal thoughts because of medicine for 10 years. And I have them write it down, and then through the presentation, they wad it up and throw it on the floor, and I start reading them. And it's to show those guys that all this paper on the floor. I'm 90% of these things that are written down and you're not alone and and there is hope and you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances or or your situation that it's, it's temporary and, and life gets better. And and you you just, again, it all goes back to who you surround yourself with. And who have you surround yourself with as you've been building this life? I know you mentioned your wife is amazing. Yeah, it started with my wife. My wife, we met in high school when I was, 18 and she started teaching me to be selfless to help others treat people the right way um you know to 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 give back and volunteer and then i met my mentor who really kind of was the catalyst of changing my life um i don't know what he saw in me i was a 23 24 year old high school dropout out of tennessee he saw something in me i became a, a partner in the business then i started surrounding myself with his circle of influence the people that I aspired to be like, the other business folks in that community. And then even now with the uh, Jesse Isler's Build Your Life resume community, it's an unbelievable community. And those are the folks that that I surround myself with, other positive, like-minded people. I get negativity out of my life completely. I don't have time for it or room for it, and I don't want them to bring me down. What would you recommend for someone who – they want to get to the point you're at now where they have all these amazing people around them, but they do have at least a few negative people in their life. What would you recommend as, you know, a first step to getting to that place? So it's tough. And I'm in that spot personally. Uh, My brother does not speak to me because when I sold the business, he let jealousy and envy fill his heart. And he doesn't, he thought I owed him money. He wanted me to give him money and I didn't. and, And so he doesn't speak to me. So it's challenging, right? Um, what I do personally is I spend as little time as possible 
with those negative people. And again, my mother, my mother's a drug addict and I love my mother, but I spend as little time with her as possible because I don't want that negative influence in my life. It's, 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 it's simple, but it's not easy. It's difficult to do. And the other thing that I would recommend is find people, you know, there's, well, I don't know, 320 million people in this country. So you, you start looking for those people that support and have the same type of things you're wanting to do. And you're going to get no's and you don't stop at the no's. You stop at the yeses. That's the value I put on a no is one in 320 million. I'll just go to the next person and the next person and the next person until I get that yes. But it, it's tough for, for especially like family to get that negative influence out of your life. But you've just got to really limit the time that, that you give into those folks. Gotcha. Gotcha. When you were transitioning from, you know, you sold your company and you're starting this or you've been doing it now a while, but speaking and uh, with students and you wrote a book as well. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah. So for that kind of like going from uh, one industry to another transitioning, were, what was kind of the driving force behind that and specifically the topic of the book and the topic of the speeches? And um, yeah, I guess we can start it's with that. It's funny because the mission has changed. So I've been an entrepreneur since I was 14 years old. I started my first business at 14 to help my mother pay rent so we wouldn't be homeless. Uh, and the, the bug bit me then and I knew that's all I ever wanted to do. And so when I, when I sold the business, I, I was working for the current owners but nothing was scratching that entrepreneurial itch. And I had been speaking at schools a little bit in South Carolina. So I decided to start a speaking business and focus on speaking with the original goal of being speak for a living, make a living at it, take summers off and travel with your family. Again, right? We're seeking happiness. It's not about stuff. I want to spend quality time with my family. And then I was in Indiana with the number one speaker in K-12 in the world. And he asked these kids, I'm not talking to you directly, but do you know of, have you heard of a family member, classmate, or friend that's talked about doing something as final as ending their own life? There's 1,700 kids in the room. 300 of them raised their hand. And so then the mission changed. We have to get those hands down. Um, and so the book is about bullying. And, and where that came from was my little girl, who was in third grade last year, asked me to come speak at her school because I'd typically been speaking about my journey from the projects to owning my own business. And I told her that really wasn't a third grade conversation. And she said, Daddy, will you come talk about those two girls used to make cry on the bus? So we decided to write a children's book called Bully on the Bus and share that story. And I sent a copy to every elementary school in South Carolina, started booking speaking opportunities. And we just go in and speak about it. Um, I read the book to the like K through two, three through five, I tell the actual story and kind of life life experiences there. But it, it's been it's been a life changing past six months where this thing really took off, and um, I love it. I love every minute of it. That's why I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning to drive for three hours to go speak at a school for no fee because I just want to share with these kids and let them know that your current situation doesn't define you. And don't let it and don't listen to people that tries to tell you will because that happened to me when I was 14 after I started that business we moved into the projects and I would tell the elders who were probably 25 year old kids that I was going to own a business one day and they'd be like no you're not you you suck at school your mother pays $50 a month rent um, just this is your life kid look around get used to it and at 14 I could remember thinking like how have these people 
allow themselves just to accept this. It's temporary, or at least it should be. So that, that's kind of the message and where it all came from. And I'm having a lot of, I, I say a lot of fun, but it's really fulfilling. Mm. Did you have that fulfillment in your other company? What was the decision to move I, on to this? I, I certainly did. The, the decision wasn't one that we wanted to do. What happened, we were in the mm. uh, Motorola two-way radio business and Motorola changed the way they wanted to do business. They didn't want to do business with small, single locations anymore. They had a change in strategy where they wanted to go to to larger nas- nationwide, national locations. And so that's who we sold to. And we sold to a great company, and I still work for them today. But it was just sooner than I wanted to. Got it. Got it. So for someone that, you know, they want to get to a place of a more fulfilling life, because I believe that's what everyone is after. And it could be in your career. It could be in personal life. Normally a little bit of both. Um, What would you recommend for someone who's just feeling, you know, kind of the opposite of, of you today, not that motivated, you know, they're just kind of going through the motions, but they hear you talking now, they want to get to that spot. What would be a good first step? It's tough, right? So for me, it's about seeking happiness. Um, Cause I think that's most important. Money's not important. You got to pay your bills and all that kind of stuff. And it's easy to say if you've got money to, to get by and go do other things, but it's, it's not about stuff. Stuff doesn't make you happy. And I tried to fill that void with stuff forever. And it didn't matter what it was. It could have been watches or motorcycles or boats or houses or, you know, fancy dinners, trying to take people out and impress them. And don't worry about other people, make yourself happy and your family happy and, and, and just seek that. And it doesn't have to be expensive stuff. Just get off the couch and, go out and hike or walk or just spend time together with friends and family and get out of your comfort zone, get out of your comfort zone and, and, and meet other people and try out new cultures and just go experience stuff. I love it. I love it. Um, as far as when you're speaking with students at the schools, are there any topics that are coming up, um, you know, time and time again that you've seen that, that you're addressing as well? The uh, the biggest thing right now, especially, you know, with the the older students was telling you about having them write the paper, write on the paper, what weighs heavy on their heart. And it's unbelievable the amount of mental health issues that come up Um, like it's it's heartbreaking. I uh, I did a school with 900 students and I don't know, three dozen, four dozen wrote down they wanted to kill themselves or they battled with suicidal thoughts or, or depression and anxiety. And those were of the people that participated. So I'm seeing mental health a ton and, and kids that don't know how to get help or where to get help, or, or they don't feel like they can get it from home. I remember seeing a couple of them talking about um, being either confused or struggling with their sexuality and they don't get support at home. But mental health is a huge, huge issue. And when I was doing my podcasting, you know, it, it probably came up 50, 60% of the time. So mental health is, is huge. Gotcha. Gotcha. And for those schools, are you saying, are they, do they have services that are coming in after that to help with that? Or is that, it's just kind of, you know, it's being brought to the surface, but. So the first time we did it, we didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know if anybody would throw any papers on the floor when I tried it and, and we were covered up with them. And I started reading through them to the principals and the principals wanted them so they could go through counseling and, and try to get help and, mm. and match up 
handwriting and all that kind of stuff. And I literally just took them back to the school last Friday and gave it back so they can bring help in. I'm do the one I'm doing tomorrow. I told the uh, counselors that I'm working with that they need to have counselors on site so these students can talk to them. But like one little girl, I'll, I'll tell you, Michelle, one little girl came up to me at this middle school a couple weeks ago. And I had shared in a video I created that I struggled with suicidal thoughts because of medicine. And she walks up, she's holding her friend's hand and she's just big tears in her eyes. And she just looks at me and says, how did you get rid of the thoughts? You know, and that, wow. that's her battle right now is she struggled for whatever reason with, with suicidal thoughts. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. Do you have any suggestions if, you know, parents listening to this or a sister brother and they are concerned or even if they, they're just not sure what would be good to kind of approach the subject? Yeah, I've, I've thought about it a lot since that happened, um, since I got these papers. And I think it boils down to any kind of relationship is that there needs to be communication, but open communication. You know, if you've got a child that is 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 battling these kind of thoughts or even, you know, the, the couple that said sexuality concerns and stuff like that, just you need to communicate. You need to talk to somebody and, you know, children that are 12, 13. I mean, no age really needs to try to try to figure this out on their own. Let's get professionals involved and, and, and get the help. Because, again, I mean, you, you'll you'll get through this. It's temporary. Whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're dealing with is temporary. I'm fortunate when I was battling this stuff, I knew it was medicine. I knew it was side effects from medicine. But I wouldn't expect a 12-year-old child to realize that. Right, 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 right. Gotcha. So switching gears a little bit, how have you in your own personal life developed that mindset and just know, knowing, you know, surrounding yourself with positive people, knowing that you'll uh, basically for any new venture you're going down, that you have that confidence, that mindset. Do you have any practices or strategies that you do daily or how has that developed over time? <laughs> I don't have any practices or anything like that. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not a real smart guy and I don't, I don't learn well from books and stuff like that. I learn by getting my teeth kicked in and failures. And that's what I did. And, and, and for me again, I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it boiled down to who I surrounded myself, but I didn't even realize at the time what was happening. And I just, again, I thought it was all me and, and I don't know where that came from, but for me, it's all about the confidence. Like I remember when I started speaking, I wanted to do TED Talks. I reached out to Motorola to see if I could speak at their annual conference, and I stunk. I was terrible at speaking because what I didn't do was storytell. What mm. I would do is I would just give facts in a, in, in a linear um, timeline, and that was it. And It was terrible, but I had that confidence to get up and try it because that's the other thing is if you wait to be good enough – you may never think you're good enough. Just go do it and get the practice. Like, and again, get outside of your comfort zone. Like, I'm going to do an open mic night this year, um, and everybody tells me I shouldn't, but I'm I, I, I want to appreciate bombing because I just want to. I want to have that experience. I want to scratch it off of my bucket list. And again, even the uncomfortability of that is it's temporary. Who cares? Nobody there knows you. Just go do it. Um, and failure is part of the process as well. I, I failed time and time and time again, but I'm not going to stop because of failure um, or because I'm scared or anything like that. Again, I want to seek people. Like for example, the book, when we wrote the book, I just told you I'm 44. I can't, I can barely spell read or write. So how am I ever going to write a book? 
found somebody, a friend of mine that helped me write it. And then she found an illustrator and we found publishers and we self-published. And, and, but that was the process is don't let the fact that I have a, I, I have a hard time reading, writing and spelling, stop us from writing a book. There's plenty of people out there that can help. I don't need to know how to read a book. I can listen to audible and, and get gobs and consume gobs and gobs of info. So I, I don't, I don't let that stuff. I use crutches. I, I don't let it again, define me. Um, and I, and, just surround myself with with people that support me and it starts with my wife and my daughter and extends through all of my friends um, and I support them as well so got it and how does your you mentioned that when you met your wife she taught you you know to be selfless has that really made an impact on your life as you've grown together oh my gosh yeah so years ago my wife and I've been together for 26 years and um uh, several years ago, 2003 time frame, we had moved, didn't have a child at that time. And we wanted to buy Christmas gifts for needy kids at the school district. And we couldn't get any help in the area we were living at. So my wife went and found a battered women's shelter. And there was a dozen or so kids in there. We didn't have a lot of money, but we didn't put any stipulations on it. And these children just asked for, I remember one of them asking for a jacket one of them asking for a Barbie doll, one of them asking for something for their mother. And these kids are in the most dire and, and horrible situation that you could think they, that they could be in. And all they wanted was a jacket to stay warm or whatever. So my wife taught me that. That's always stuck with me. This year for our um, anniversary, we decided we wanted to take the money we would spend on gifts and give large tips for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's exactly what we did. We, I remember find, meeting a lady at Dunkin' Donuts one morning, and I told my wife, I was like, this is who I want to do for breakfast. And I went in and asked her to come sit at our, our table, and she was standoffish, and maybe she thought we were going to fuss and complain. And I pulled the money out, and you couldn't see how much it was. I had the denominations folded in, mm-hmm. and I handed it to her, and I said, I want you to take this, and this is why my wife and I want to do this for our anniversary We want to bring some of the joy and happiness that we have every day into someone else's life temporarily. We want you to have this. And she's like, I can't accept it. I can't accept it. And I said, no, this is really what we want to do. And this is why she puts it in her pocket and gives us a hug. She, she goes back and obviously then looks at it, opens it up and looks at it. And we've given her $500 and she comes back crying and gives us a big hug and, you know, it's a lot of money, but it, it could have been tires for her cars, clothes, Christmas for her children. Who knows? But that's the kind of stuff that she's taught me and that we keep doing. You know, I remember one time she she raised enough money to buy clothes and Christmas gifts for 17 kids at local schools. And just today she was ordering um, hats and gloves for for kids and, and, and putting food together for backpack buddies and that's what she does, and that's what she's brought into my life. And it's it's really it, – she doesn't get enough credit for any level of success, you know, that people would see from the outside that I've had because she's been that rock. That's amazing. Wow. That's, that's incredible that you guys did that. For, so for American Happiness, really focused on sharing how mindset thought process – can really help in consistent levels of happiness. So my last question for you would just be if there's anything you want to add along those lines in anything just about life, happiness, whatever. Yeah. So for me, like on my website, I've got, for me, 
success is is because of happiness, your circle of influence, and selflessness. And I truly believe that if if I can achieve happiness by being selfless and surrounding myself with the right peoples, and I've been successful. Um, you know, attitude and confidence is is what it's all about. And just go out and experience stuff and, and seek happiness and quit worrying about, I mean, we live in this instant gratification, Instagram world where, you know, everybody looks like their life's fantastic and great. And it's, it's, they're just not, it's all fake. Just don't quit trying to compete with these people. Quit trying to hold yourself up to, to, to their fake lives on online and just go experience life, go be happy. And it could be anything, you know, like one of the things I miss the most is just having dinner with my grandmother. You know, I wish I could go back and have one more Sunday after church dinner with her. And, you know, I can't, but it's, if, if I could do anything, it would just be fulfill my life with experiences and happiness and let others know that they can do the same thing. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Make sure to check out our free resources online at www.american-happiness.com. Feel free to follow us on Instagram as well, at American Happiness Project. See you soon.